Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Here we go. It's Friday. Conrad Black joins us every weekday afternoon or Friday afternoon at this time. And uh, it couldn't be more propitious because, of course, we're talking about the media and uh, how it plays a role in ratcheting up the overheated rhetoric that could result in violence. Conrad, good to have you on the Oakley Show this afternoon. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, John. How are you today? I'm very good. And I'm curious to know, I mean, uh, you've been steeped in media a lot of years and uh, as a keen observer of uh, how things play out through that filter or prism, you know, with the situation stateside, let's start with this. I mean, you know, uh, this person allegedly uh, who was a pipe bomber scene now had a van, all kinds of stickers that were pro-Trump, anti-Hillary Clinton, CNN sucks was also on it and so on and so forth. And uh, that's been ginned up in the media as the predominant narrative here that this had to be a, a Trumpian because of the people who were targeted were uh Trump critics uh, is the way it's being played on CNN and the New York Times. So what role, if any, does the media play in ratcheting up the overheated rhetoric that uh, could result in violence? In the way that that question is normally posed, I I don't think it plays much of a role. I mean, you could make a case that uh, American entertainment films and films for television are so violent that, that in general it helps maintain a higher level of violence in the United States than there would be if if we were back to the days of you know Jimmy Stewart and Bob Hope and everything having a happy ending and not not much violence or sex in it but uh, but the, you know that's fine it's like saying if human nature was different we'd all be saints but uh, so what is it, so what you know but I I I wouldn't say that I mean I wouldn't even say goodness knows and and certainly you know i'm extremely critical of the um, conventional wisdom and groupthink of most of the us national political media they're so partisan and they're so uh, hostile to the president but uh, I, the fact is all all of us who believe in freedom of expression accept that that doesn't apply only to people who say or, or write what we agree with. I mean, we've just got to tolerate freedom of expression. I don't think that their hostility to Trump uh, has has helped create this, and, and any more than than the Sanders supporter who nearly killed, nearly murdered the uh, chief whip of the Republican Party and the House of Representatives, Congressman Scalise, uh, I, I, you know, I, 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 you can't blame that on Sanders. You can't blame it on the media. The United States uh, has uh, a high toleration and constitutional guarantee of the right to bear arms. There are hundreds of millions of guns in the country, and the whole uh, individualistic spirit of America is magnificent in most respects. But the downside of it is it, it does it does lead to. Uh, a regrettable number of, of homicidal maniacs. Now, in fairness, if this is the right word, to this guy who was apprehended today, I, d- I don't think he was actually trying to kill those people because uh, because uh, that, that, from what I've seen, uh, was you know they weren't really exploding devices. They, he couldn't have imagined they were going to be successful. Now, now, if that's the case, it's not an attempted murder charge, but. 
but it's still small consolation. But the fact is, you're going to get that in a free society with a very individualistic uh, national ethos and tradition and practically unlimited access to, to weapons. Again, with Conrad Black. All right, uh, but conversely then, uh, what about the media's complicity in exploiting events to support a confirmation bias or their own agenda? I, well, I, I, I'm not the guy to go to the barricade saying that I think the media is very honest. I don't think they are. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think they lack integrity. They, 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 they lack uh, intelligence. I mean, not, not uh, they have the, uh, not basic IQ, but they, they lack information. I mean, the, uh, most people in the media don't actually know anything. And, and and that doesn't retard them in the slightest from holding forth in the most declamatory opinions on every conceivable subject. And uh, so I, I think we are let down by our media generally in this country and in the United States, but I don't think we can blame violence on them. You know, it's interesting because uh, you've written a piece for The Post tomorrow on its 20th anniversary yeah. where you launched as the publisher, and uh, in that piece, here's a, a cribbed line that you say, as I discovered in other, other spheres... Public, public perceptions as created by the media and facts are frequently completely disconnected. Yes. So they do foster their own narratives or agenda. Oh, yes, yes. I, 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 that is my view. And elsewhere in that piece, I said that one of the things we always did in, at the National Post and elsewhere was to require an absolute distinction between reporting and comment. I had never had a problem with with the opinions of any of our journalists and if they if they wanted to write opinion pieces and sign them that was fine and they were encouraged to do that but this uh, tendency and it's a very widespread tendency of, of people to be allegedly reporting something when they are in fact also commenting on it in a way that is tendentious and therefore incites a bias and reflects a bias is unprofessional as a matter of fact, the National Post that you launched 20 years ago, you say the immediate appeal was to discerning readers who knew the difference between a crisp, well-written product and the almost unedited self-indulgence of indolent leftist journalists. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's nothing but the truth. The old Southam Company, uh, and I won't name these people, most of them are dead now anyway, but, he, but in any case, I, I don't want to get into the business of saying things about people not here to defend themselves, but they, they basked in being praised as ideal owners because they never touched the editorial product. And since they never touched it, uh, there, there were no controls in these areas. There were no standards maintained. And what you got was exactly what you just read from uh, from what I wrote in the, in the National Post for tomorrow. But, but uh, to say they wouldn't touch the editorial product is like saying that the head of Coca-Cola doesn't care what the, what the drink tastes like or the head of General Motors doesn't care if the car works or, or if it looks like a, 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 you know, a, a, an experiment in, in improvised plumbing or something. I mean, you have to have some concern for product quality, and they didn't. Well, the interesting thing is, uh, these were observations from the launch 20 years ago. My question to you is, uh, is it worse now, and is this still going on? Uh, what am I commenting on here? The National Post itself? No, no, no. Uh, the fact that these uh, journalists that you indicted 20 years ago for being self-indulgent and, uh, you know, 
they lean I, to I'm the... afraid it's not better. And, and I think if we're getting right down to this, this is a very profound subject, and we don't want to be glib about it, but I think our problem is our educational standards have declined. We're spending more and more money as a society and getting less and less well-educated people. And, and in fairness to the media, which is not a cause that fills me with a fire of enthusiasm, but in fairness to the media, uh, they have to go where the public is up to a point. And, and so they go where the public is, and, and, I, and I think the media has gone downhill. Now, on the upside, we have such an infinite a variety of sources now that, that there isn't the same concentration of influence in a few hands that there was and and it is such an infinite variety of sources if you look around for it you can find absolutely first class parts of the media well and coincidentally i guess i saw today i guess the report paul godfrey was mentioned the national post lost what 22 and a half mil or something like that year over year i mean whether print journalism in general conrad i mean is it over uh, no, but uh, now again, here's another touch issue. Paul is an old friend of mine. Uh, he's a very able man. He was a brilliant Metro chairman, if you recall. Uh, but uh, I have publicly taken issue with with his whole strategy for that company. I, I, I did it at a shareholders meeting, and then I did it in one piece I wrote. I don't make an issue out of it because I'm published there. I wish them well, but I got it off my chest, and so it's a public uh, matter of public knowledge. But in a word... I think that the way to go was not just constantly cutting costs and making uh, the papers thinner and of less interest to readers. The way to go was to, because it's a distressed industry, you can hire first-class journalists at relatively low pay packets nowadays, uh, to, was to build quality and raise the, the cover price. Uh, anyone who reads a newspaper in this country today is an ABC1 reader, meaning relatively high education and relatively high income, precisely who advertisers want. They're not cover price sensitive. If you give them value for money, you could go to the British model of getting a lot more revenue out of circulation, and then you could go back to the advertising agencies and say, look, this isn't scrolling through a, a five, 700 television channels. These people read these newspapers, and every single one of them is someone you want uh, to advertise to. Oh, and I'd be one of them. Uh, you end by suggesting it's a subject of pride uh, 20 years ago anyway. I don't know that you'd do it again today, would you? Uh, start a paper now? Yeah. Wouldn't work. Wouldn't fly. But that, that, one, that one can still make it. And I'm, I'll say this, uh, less than anyone did, I'm certainly glad I did it then. I mean, I think all of us who worked on it should be proud of it. And by the way, I, I want to be fair here. There's a lot to be proud of. I mean, whatever I think of them in certain respects, there's a lot to be proud of at the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star and, and many other newspapers. Those are famous, established newspapers that have rendered great service at times in different ways. And so I, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not being holier than now. Well, I would say in closing, and uh, it's not, you know, undue flattery, but I think uh, yours was an important contribution to the Canadian media landscape and uh, very much appreciate it. Appreciate well, your being uh, with we, us. We helped unite the uh, the um, conservative parties federally and, you know, get, and, and turn it into a two-party system where both parties come to bat. It was really an... Uh, I mean, old Jack Pickersgill, long-serving liberal cabinet <laughs> minister, 
for Mr. King's time, uh, right right up to uh, to Pearson and Trudeau, uh, you used to say to me, "We're the, we're the government party, and the conservatives are the mumps. You get them once in your life." And and uh, that was a bit of an exaggeration, but but you know they'd win five elections, and the conservatives would win one, and that kind of thing. And and I mean, I was I I was often pro-liberal, but that wasn't the point. I was in favor of an alternate government always being there. And, uh, and and so, and so he helped Harper get hold of it. Now he astounded the country by his ingratitude, but that's another issue. <laughs> All right, for another time. Uh, appreciate it, and uh, well, happy anniversary, I guess. And uh, we'll, thanks so much, John. We'll talk next Friday. Right, you are. Conrad Black again, author, commentator, historian, and publisher. Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio six forty Toronto.